Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and we're, we're going, going round, round Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to get it right. really excited i think it's gonna be a good one me too <laughs> i can already tell <laughs> for those of you who have been listening we have of course um been interviewing uh various people who have worked on the simpsons in various aspects voiceover actors writers and today we are going into the more artistic side of the simpsons with one of the animators of the simpsons heard of it <laughs> she is so lovely so accomplished if you don't already know her work you're gonna fall in love um please welcome liz climo Hello! Oh, I'm I'm almost I'm on the verge of tears. That was so nice. Thank you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I swear, every time I intro a guest, I'm like, uh, don't fuck this up, don't fuck this up. So that that's good validation. <laughs> you already got my name, my last name uh, pronounced correctly, so oh, you're on a roll. Thank God. <laughs> that's a tough one, so I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> Liz, thank you for joining us. We're very excited. As Julia mentioned, we have really wanted to talk to people about all the different facets of working on The Simpsons. And so far, we've gotten the opportunity to speak predominantly to either voice actors or writers of the show. So we're super excited to talk to you about how you got started doing character uh, artistry and how you started to become an author and everything that you've done. But first, can you describe a little bit about what it is that you have done on The Simpsons, uh, particularly to someone who maybe doesn't know very much about what goes into your job. Absolutely. So I started on The Simpsons about 14 years ago. And when I started, I was what was called a character layout artist. And that basically means like I was an animator who did the key poses. So Let's say there was a scene where um, Homer walks in, sits on the couch, talks to his family, stands up and goes into the kitchen just as a basic sort of to set up. Um, I would then sort of map out how he would get from point A to point B, how he would act. And then I would work with the director and assistant director and we'd sort of figure out the best sort of acting to get the joke across, which is always, you know, the number one priority on, a, on an animated sitcom. So that's essentially it. It's basically an animator of key poses, those key poses, um, and the number one priority being like make it funny, but without like super zany cartooning acting, or excuse me, it's cartoony acting. So it's not like Looney Tunes acting. It's more like subtle sitcom acting. So I started doing that. I did that for a while. And then the last few years I was there, I was actually a storyboard cleanup artist. So I was just taking the boards that the storyboard artist had already created and cleaning them up, making them look nice, um, adding some extra poses uh, to, again, get the jokes across and to get the acting across. And I'm sure there are people who are listening to this that are just like, she wipes down storyboards? <laughs> so, can you, um, uh, I, I imagine that most people know what that is, but can you uh, even just a little bit more detail on what a storyboard cleanup artist is? Sure. So a lot of the times when you're, when you're a board artist, you are essentially, your goal is to sort of uh, set the stage, uh, get the composition right. And so you're doing a lot of scenes and you're doing them in a very quick turnaround. So a lot of times you're just drawing really, really rough poses just to sort of, again, get that point across. And 
within the studio, uh, the artists, the directors, everyone sort of understands what the poses maybe mean. And it's also good. It's always good to start with a really rough drawing anyway, because that's usually the more energetic drawing. But when you're pitching a board, sometimes it helps to have some clarity especially like in the face, if it's an emotional scene, you want to have those expressions come across. If the acting or the hand gestures are really important, it's nice to sort of take those rough drawings and just give them a little bit more of a solid form just so you can, it's a little bit easier to understand what's actually happening and the real, the real purpose of the scene really gets across. And so that was sort of, my job was to quickly draw as much clean stuff as possible on top of the already, <laughs> the already beautiful rough drawings. And so, and I draw really clean. And so that was, that was something I, you know, I liked to do because I was actually able to, uh, to, to, to draw on top of other people's beautiful rough drawings. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything that you can say that is like a signature drawing style or a signature way of going about this kind of work that is specific to the Simpsons or does it it all are all adult animated shows kind of following similar kind of processes. The whole idea of it is as it being a sitcom, like it, it is so much, you know, if you put like the Simpsons against again, like a Looney Tunes cartoon or a, more of a kid centric t- uh, cartoon, you're going to see more zany, silly, goofy, wacky drawings um, out, of, out of the kids show. And then for the Simpsons, it's, it's more subtle, goofy kind of wry just like it it has to there's a lot of like deadpan humor and so I think that is why I was like I mean I've been a huge fan of the show ever since it came out really I think I'm I'm technically when I when it came out I was the same age as Bart is now well has always been (laughs) so so um I grew up with that sort of humor and so when I started working there it it felt very natural to me to um to sort of do that sort of acting that's so exciting. So I really want to know, like, how does someone who is 11 years old or like, you know, this kid watching The Simpsons, how does that person become who you are today? So when <laughs> did you get into uh, actually pursuing your talent? And was that something that was fostered by your folks? Or did you kind of find it on your own? Uh, it's It was definitely something that, I mean, there was, I can't even think of a single time in my life where I didn't just think I would grow up and be an artist. I mean, that's very, I it's, love uh, that. it's, it's, <laughs> it might sound pretty naive, but I mean, that's, I just always was like, I will be an artist someday. I really, really want to be an artist someday. So I'd say it started with, you know, I was a really big fan of like the far side comics. And so I would always like sit <laughs> at my grandparents' house and read their day-to-day calendar whenever, when all the adults sort of like, you know, hung out. And then again, I started watching The Simpsons when it came out. I mean, it was my favorite show. So it really helped when I got older to, um, you know, I knew the humor and I knew sort of what they wanted as far as like, you know, to get the jokes across. But as far as how I got the job and how I got to that place, I actually, you know, I took art classes in high school and I went to uh, San Jose State and took uh, art classes there. And I was working towards a BFA in animation and illustration. Um, And then I applied for the program. I did not get in. Uh, but I had, uh, like a family friend named Brad Abelson who Mm -hmm. had sort of become my mentor while I was in college at just via email. Like I would send him drawings. He would send me drawings, et cetera. He was already working on the Simpsons and I, he was one of the first people I talked to after I got rejected from the program. And so I was super sad and I was like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And he was like, well, (laughs) the Simpsons are hiring. So if you want to take the layout, (laughs) if you want to go ahead and take that layout test, I would be happy to coach you if I think you 
you know, have a chance of, at work if you could ha- like, you know, hang and work here. But if not, I'm not wow. going to. And so I was, so that's kind of how that happened. So like within a week or two, I think of getting that rejection, I actually got a job on The Simpsons. And so I just packed my car and moved down from the Silicon Valley down to Southern California and stayed on my friend's <laughs> floor for like a couple months. Cause I was wow. broke. Yeah. <laughs> what goes into a layout test? So it was sort of like what I described before. I'm going to date myself here, but it was, uh, I got a cassette tape and I got paper storyboards and it was basically, I think, I think it was three scenes that were storyboarded out and they wanted me to sort of do those key poses for those three scenes. So I would listen to the audio and I sort of used the storyboards to sort of uh, as a guide of how how the characters were going to look within the within the frame, and I actually didn't have a light table, which is what we used back then, which was like a big desk that had a clear like a plexiglass thing underneath and a light that shone through, so you could see the drawings underneath each other. You can't see, but I'm like using my hand like I'm flipping paper. <laughs> like, um, I feel yeah. it. I feel it. Um, but so I I actually ended up taking a and I had never used a light table before, but I knew that that's what animators used. So I actually like took a stack of papers and took a desk lamp and put it underneath a glass coffee table, and I used that as a light table, and I would just sort of take those drawings and create those key poses because it's important to keep the form the same throughout the same the entire scene because if the form changes or shifts and it's going to be obvious for the person watching so amazing I know so little about what goes into the type of work that you do. To, to me, it sounds like magic. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. It continues to be magic. I feel like anyone that can draw, I say this all the time, but I'm just like, well, how did you make your hand do that though? You know? Like I got as far as being like the kid who could do bubble letters really well <laughs> in, in school. And then I was like, I'm ready to take a break. I've like really mastered art. um so i want to know a little bit more about like just early life of liz uh we know that you were a simpsons fan we know that you were obviously gifted at a young enough age that you always had this idea of like i'm going to become someone who does this but what are some more of the um earliest things that happened to you that made you know i could do this well, I had a I had a lot of support from my family always. Like I was That's very amazing. fortunate. Yeah, and and I don't think I really realized how important that was. I mean, just the fact that I said I'm going to be an artist someday. That confidence, I didn't have that confidence in myself yet. So, it came from <laughs> it came from somewhere. Um my mom was an artist and my dad's family, the side his side of the family, his mom was a children's book author and she had written oh wow yeah so she actually was a children's book author she retold folklore her name was Shirley Climo um so I grew up around that as well um her sister was actually an illustrator and her mother was an illustrator so there was always that sort of like artistry in my family especially with the way it was all went the women that were doing it so I really felt that like confidence like oh I I can do that too I'll I'll work hard and I can get to that point hopefully someday (laughs) um (laughs) so that encouragement And, you know, I was, again, like, I would do like weird drawings when I was little, I would, I would attempt those jokes. I mean, I have a six year old now and like, she does it too, where it's like, I would create comics and they'd be so weird and didn't quite make sense. My mom would be like, oh, that's awesome. Keep doing weird stuff. Keep being weird. Like, (laughs) go in that direction. Oh, wow. So that was really helpful because she really, she was such a funny lady and she really loved it when I like embraced that part of myself. So that was always something I've kind of leaned into, I think. 
That's amazing. So, that's so great. I, I feel like I can totally relate. I had uh, my mom's side of the family, my aunts and uncles. Um, I have like artists scattered throughout that side. And so that was always like this really great, you know, like example of here's what you could do with your life. But I, I feel like also just sort of making comedy valuable. Yeah. Is something that I feel like is you know, it was so instrumental in, in how I evolved as a person, just like that emphasis on, no, 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 like be weird and be funny. And, and those are great things to have in the world. That's so great that you had that. Yeah, I feel really lucky. And, and, and making comedy valuable is like right on the money. It's like laughing your way through like hard times and just, and just, yeah. you know, it, levity, basically. It's just, it's, it's a good, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. So. What kind of artist was your mom? She was more of a fine artist. She did really beautiful like charcoal drawings. I couldn't even think of the medium because I'm just like, I draw on a computer. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, she was she was more of a fine artist. She uh she would just do like portraits of the neighborhood kids and like give gift, you know, cool. portraits to people. And she was also like the neighborhood art teacher and she taught at the elementary school. Uh, so yeah, she was, she was a really, we were very different. Like her, her, the way she drew was very different from how I draw. Uh, but she was really, really talented. Do you ever draw together? Like, well, when social distancing wasn't a thing, like (laughs) under a tree at a park. (laughs) Well, this is actually, I should, I should talk about this because this is, this is a really crucial. She actually passed away. Like the year that I got the job on the Simpsons, she passed away. Oh my gosh. So we did, we used, we did draw together. We were like, we were artists together, but I was young. I mean, I was, I was like around 22 when she died. So it was a very transitional year for me because it was like, she passed away six months or so later. I didn't get into the animation program. And then I got this job and then I moved away from my family, which had just sort of like Mm. lost the central person. So a lot of, I mean, she hasn't been here to see any of these like dreams of mine that I set when I was little come true. So it's always sort of like, she's always sort of a presence in my mind anyway. And just Mm. whenever I have like some sort of a personal career milestone or personal milestone just with family or whatever it's like I feel her here so that's wonderful yeah it's it's hard to not be able to to share that physically in the same space but those types of things really do feel like they know like you know like yeah (laughs) your your mom raised you to be you and she knows and it I just love Mm -hmm. that so much it is it's nice too because that thing that confidence I was saying earlier that she really like always put around me when I was younger and growing up when I when when I lost her I lost that as well so I had to sort of find that within myself and I'm still Mm. trying to find that within myself but it's a (laughs) it's a it's a growing process sort of learning to love yourself as much as this person once loved you who is this important person in your life and so uh I mean to put it mildly (laughs) so yeah oh my gosh yeah I wanted to uh have that be a little bit of a transition into um the book your mom um yeah. which uh you know i i saw on mother's day that you had posted about what this book meant to you um and for anyone who's listening to this that does not yet follow you on instagram um and see the cartoons that you post and uh hasn't come across your books yet i really highly recommend them especially during pandemic just because you know we're we're for the most part all tucked away doing our own thing uh, maybe a little isolated and then particularly what's going on in the world it's really nice to have a source of comfort um, in the type of art that we're digesting and i think that there's such a purity and and level of comfort and love that comes from your work oh, and thank you. i 
I can't recommend it enough, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about specifically was that book, um, which I was just looking at the post that you made on Mother's Day about it. And if you could tell us anything about that, I'd love to hear it. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah. So that book really, it sort of is me speaking to my relationship with my mom because I had such a strong relationship with her. And then also how that relationship has sort of informed my relationship with my own daughter because I do have a daughter. But then aside from that, I also just kind of wanted to talk about motherhood in general. And I mean, again, this is just, these are just very, very sweet, light comics. Like it's, it's a very light book, but at the same time, I did want to sort of talk about different kinds of mothers. Cause I have, you know, I have friends who don't ever plan on having children, but they have really great relationships with children in their life, nieces, nephews, et cetera. I have friends who have bad relationships with their mom or their parents. Um, mm-hmm. And they have other people who have sort of stepped in and filled that role. So it's not necessarily like, this is a book for moms. And because I, again, like, I don't want it to be like a kind of like a secret club book where it's like mom group. It's more of like, (laughs) it's more of like a, what it's like to sort of have that person in your life who has really stepped up. And that might mean it be your own, it might be your own mom. It might be somebody else, or Mm. maybe you're that for somebody else. But because that role, that person in my life was so important, I wanted to sort of like I guess say thank you to everybody else out there who is sort of like doing the same or feels the same. I love that. That is so great. Thanks. That is so smart too. Well, I I just, it makes me think of like the chosen families. Exactly. I don't know. I'm a child of divorce. I'm always going to point to that as this reference point, (laughs) but like sometimes, you know, you don't get the exact parent dynamic that you are accustomed to seeing in films and TV for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, what does that look like for you? And I know other people that may not have good relationships with their mothers or fathers or whatever. It's like, well, what do you do with that? What what happens when Mother's Day comes around and you either don't have that positive relationship with that biological person? I'm not speaking personally, but you know, like, Or, you know, you feel weird about like what that label means to you. And I think expanding the definition and include like being a mother to yourself, which is like a sentiment that I fucking love Uh or just like appreciating and respecting the other people in your life who may be those mother figures to you. I just think it's so cool. And to put it in a cartoon (laughs) is so sweet. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) On the topic of moms, um, so you said that you got into The Simpsons right when it came out and that you were Bart's age. Um, so we have talked a lot about kind of like how we had to rediscover later in life how amazing Marge is because growing up, like we really connected to, you know, the idea that Marge is kind of a nag and she's kind of ruining the fun. But now she's like, we see the humor in her. We think she's so amazing. We love all the different sides of Marge. But I'm wondering, did you get that right away or did that take you some time as well? It's interesting actually, because Marge was not, Marge is not so dissimilar from my, how my own mom was. She, yeah, like, but my, I mean, my mom was like really funny and like more, a little bit less, I'd say, um, I'm trying to think of the words for, cause Marge is, Marge is sort of like the product of like, how like she feels like she ought to behave sometimes, but then she'll like let loose and have fun. <laughs> um, but she's such a steady, loving, wonderful character. And so there are a lot of like, like you know, when she holds up the potato and she's like, I just think they're neat. <laughs> That's so my mom. And so oh, I feel like yeah. I've, I've always really appreciated Marge because 
Marge and Lisa have always been, I've always had a real connection mm-hmm. with. Uh, okay. So yeah, I, I, I think I've been, I've been pretty lucky in that. Like I've always been, had pretty strong, a strong connection with Marge. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, as you were talking about like the artists in your family being women, it instantly made me think about the Simpsons gene yeah. and how <laughs> yeah. all the female Simpsons members are like these scientists and very studious, accomplished women. I just feel like there's such a great parallel there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, they're, they're really strong, really strong characters. I feel like, and you know, Marge and Lisa, uh, Marge and Lisa, especially I feel like are sort of the moral compass of the show in a lot of ways. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's take a quick break and then we will be right back. I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Ono, Ross, and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank you, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling... My dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. back what a great break <laughs> yeah Hooray. i i concur <laughs> so liz we actually have a question from our producer of the podcast he wants to know do you have a line of cards at target i do i actually have um greeting cards they're just kind of out in the world and they're uh, I, i'm never really quite sure where i'm going to see them but i do know that they're at t- <laughs> that's amazing it's kind of interesting like i it, it's a little bit less clear like oh here's do you have this book it'll be at this bookstores here's where you find it it's more like okay you have greeting cards go out and find them <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of fun <laughs> it's like a scavenger hunt in the world <laughs> it is because greeting cards are everywhere so i'll be at like whole foods and i'm like well, that's my card at whole foods how fun like wow. uh, that you know back so uh, but yes, I do have I have a handful that are still in Target. When they a couple years ago, I had like a big line, sort of like all in one place. But they've sort of restructured how things are set up in the greeting card aisle or what have you. Uh, but yes, the short answer is I do have greeting cards at Target. So they're there. And are they <laughs> under the banner, the little world of Liz Climo, or do they just say your name? I don't know 
if they are they at one point yes it was i think it actually just said little comics or the and there was like a little like a nine a nine card section and i think that they've restructured since that i haven't been in a target in a while which is you know heartbreaking to me but i haven't been in a target for a while but <laughs> same 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 yeah so i don't really know exactly how it's set up now i think the last time it was more of a you just kind of scan through and you like oh i think i recognize that and then it's just kind of in with the others mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, I feel yeah. like I've seen it where it's set up where it has like a section called Little Comics. Yes. Yeah, very cool. So a lot of your work, you know, it it is very child-friendly, if not specifically pointed towards children or mothers or kind of this family unit. And I'm wondering if that has always been something that you've been drawn to or if you've gone through phases or if there is a different type of uh, work you you ever hope to do that's like a, a far departure. Because I think that your work is something that like everyone could enjoy of any age, but I'm curious about how you got there. Well, it's it's interesting. If you look back at my earlier comics or my earlier, like my first book of comics, which is The Little World of Liz Climo, there are some bad words um, and darker, <laughs> darker subject matter because I tend to be drawn more to a darker sense of humor. Like I like darker comedies like Fargo. I like the movie Fargo. Like I like stuff like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so earlier on, it was more and oh again and like um the Gashley Crumb Tinies. If you know if you're familiar with uh the yeah. book, which is like the ABCs, and each each letter is like a grisly way a child has like <laughs> it's just, it's a it's a dark it's a dark book, but it's it's funny and it's subtle and it's beautiful. Just have to shout out Allie Gertz really quick because when she was an editor at Mad Magazine, they did an amazing tribute to that book. Oh, that, nice! Like, should win. Thank you. All of the awards. Oh, oh that's thanks, so Julia. cool. It's so good. Yeah, Casey Boyd, uh, an editor there, was the editor of that piece, and it was it was really. It was really heavy because it was, you know, coming off of um, Parkland. And so basically it was about gun violence. And so it was the, oh. the Gashley gun tinies. And so yeah, I've it, seen it. I've seen that. Yeah, it was um, it was a popular piece. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I've seen yeah. that. But we relate very much to having that love of that <laughs> dark uh, and honest type of, you know, sometimes brutal <laughs> level of cartoons. Well, and that's, that's the thing. Like I, I, I think at first I, because that's sort of the stuff I'm drawn to, I wanted, I was like, well, could I do something that's like really strong and is making a strong statement, but is also like beautiful and funny. I was trying to do more of that. And then I think I just realized somewhere along the way, well, first of all, my, my drawings are so, they're so cartoony and like sweet and kid friendly that just a lot of kids were picking up the books and, and reading them. And in a lot of households, I understand that they don't, adults don't want their children reading bad language. And I respect that. And so I think it was like, in part, sort of, I felt a bit of an obligation to, well, I should probably keep that in mind because this is the sort of art that I do. But on the other hand, it was also just, I think a shift happened along the way where I was like, you know, I want to make something, every time I do a comic, I sit down and do a comic. I want, I think about every possible type of person that might be looking at it. And I'm trying to make it as broad and inclusive as possible. And sometimes just picking and choosing the right words. Like I'll put it this way. If I feel like the only way to get my point across is to use a bad word, then I'll do it. But I I often don't. I usually just keep the words pretty simple and hopefully get the joke across, get the point across and make it funny, hopefully, and not too <laughs> like sappy because I don't want to do sappy stuff. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's so smart. I mean, I feel like all art should benefit from like taking a moment and really wondering, you know, like which audience is this for or what their reaction is going to be. And I think that by doing that, you avoid the more performative hollow parts of like, am I just using this like curse word or this like dark imagery to be like really, you know, sensational or is it actually proving a point? And I think to catch yourself is important. I think you're absolutely right. I think that like choosing language is an important thing. And also, I think I just realized that was the sort of thing I did well. And other people out there are doing that thing that I tried to do really, really well. And I'm sort of like, okay, you do that thing because you're doing an awesome job of that. And I'm going to do this thing because this is the thing that I'm trying to do well at. So that space is sort of filled and I'm enjoying the people that are creating work that's like got the bad words and is like darker and scarier, what have you. <laughs> but then the stuff that I'm doing is like, <laughs> that's sort of my goal is to sort of create something that's just like welcoming and um, hopefully make someone, I mean, really just, I just want to create like a blip in, in a scroll where it's like, Ooh, this is heavy. Ooh, this is heavy. Here's a thing that's just going to make you feel a little lighter for a second. That's pretty much all I'm trying to do. I love that. I really like it's the most recent post that you did on Instagram, and it's a snake saying, why are you sitting like that? Um, and the red panda saying, my heart just feels a little heavy today. And so he's like on his stomach. Uh, the snake is helping him up and carry his heavy heart. And it's just the <laughs> sweetest little thing. And like, I really like it because it's bittersweet. And like, it's it's hopeful, but honest about the fact that sometimes the world feels really heavy and and could be really you know getting you down and it's just like such a like powerful message in two panels and I'm oh, just so you. impressed by that thank <laughs> like you yeah and I feel like your art is something that is really helpful for people who want to reach out to their friends but don't necessarily have the um comfort in in finding the words themselves like I feel like it'd be really mm -hmm. nice for someone who's maybe not so emotionally giving uh, but they want to be they could just link to something that you wrote already, like a greeting card. That's kind of what that's for. And then it's just like, here, this made me think of you. And suddenly that person feels all the same sentiments that you came up with. I just think it's so great. That's so nice because I'm actually like, I'm sort of anxious. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always a little anxious. When, oh, I'm going to have to hug now. And oh, I'm like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not like a, like a huggy, like, handholdy like that sort of a person so it, I'm a little bit more like standoffish I guess you'd say so it's nice that like I'm hopeful that that I mean what you just said that that's nice to hear because I hope that oh, that's okay. the case sometimes and it's not because <laughs> yeah. I don't feel it on the inside it's just sometimes it's hard to express it so that's nice to right. hear well, I think, of course, like Ali was saying, it's such a powerful message, especially during this trying time. And like, you know, how do we connect with other people and show that we are like curious and interested in how they're doing in a way that feels appropriate and effective virtually in a way that like is comfortable for both sides I think it's really hard to kind of encapsulate that yeah it's really hard and I and in that comic in particular I was really trying to just think of the the best way to express how I was feeling and to really I mean that really is how I've been feeling it's just like <laughs> I just want to like my heart is heavy I just want to lay on the ground but I also want to keep informing myself and and take the information in which is why there's a book and so the snake you know is sort of like the people in my life who are sort of helping me stay lifted and the book represents like the the effort to to keep informing myself and so that's what mm -hmm. I was trying to say, <laughs> but <laughs> <You nailed it. laughs> without, without knocking you over the head with it. Yeah. So uh, right, that's the goal. 
and and that's actually something that we really love about The Simpsons. Um, and Julia and I talk about this a lot in the original version of our podcast, where we talk about each episode in particular and why it means something to our guest. We really love that The Simpsons is able to have really poignant messages uh, without ever being preachy. And so they're able to mm-hmm. teach yes. you about something and make a great point, but they're never hitting you over the head with it or making you feel like an idiot if you don't get it right away. Absolutely. The image just popped into my head. This is always one of my favorite episodes where – and um, I'm trying to remember what actually happens in the episode. I could just think of the end where Homer's at his desk <laughs> and it's the sign is above his desk and it says, don't forget you're here forever. And then, yeah, and then there's pictures yeah. and it says, do it for her. It's yeah. it's such – I mean, Ugh. if that were done the wrong way, it would be so sappy and so silly True. and just maudlin and like kind of uh, – but it's so – every time I see it, even mm-hmm. if it's just the image, I start crying because it's so <laughs> I know heartfelt and You're not and alone. Yeah. <laughs> that is like that is like on a Mount Rushmore of like top four Simpsons cry. Oh like yeah, instant cry moment. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's Anne Maggie makes three. Is it the is. episode? Oh yeah, right. it's um. It doesn't surprise me that uh, that episode really has informed you, even if it was just subconsciously, just because like totally the same vibe. Are there any other Simpsons stories you have for us, either about just from a place of fandom or from a place of working there? Um, anything that you'd like to share? Sure. I mean, I, I like bits and pieces are sort of running through my mind. Uh, the first thing I'll say is I remember being really nervous my first day of work because I was such a super fan. Of course. And like I had like a Homer sticker on my car. And again, I was young. I was 23. I was like, oh no, I'm going to look like such a dork. And then I walked in and I realized, oh, they're all dorks. Everyone here loves The Simpsons. (laughs) And I mean that from in the nicest possible way. Like everyone was a huge fan. I mean, everybody there uh, for the most part came from like a similar sort of background as far as like they were all excited to be there too. This was season... I think it was season 14. So it was a while ago. But there was there's that. I remember one time when I was working on the movie, because when I was I think I'd been there probably like four, four or five years when the movie came out. I happened I just by chance got sent over to the Fox lot to work at Gracie Films. There was like a collection, a small collection of artists who were sort of working directly with Richard Sakai. And like he would kind of come around the the the, um, the trailer. And uh, it was sort of like, Oh, here, here's a new joke. We're going to have someone board this. And then I was helping clean it up. And that's actually how I met my husband, Colin Heck, because he was there too. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah. so we love Colin. <laughs> yeah. Colin's great. <laughs> uh, but I actually, I, again, I was, I hadn't been at The Simpsons that long and I knew that the movie was starting, but I wasn't a part of it. I was still working on the TV show and I had gotten up to walk to the bathroom in, in the studio. And uh, at the time, Richard Rainus and I think David Silverman, who um, supervising director and then as producer, were talking to each other. And I literally heard one of them say, what about her? And the I can't remember who said what, but then the other was like, hey, Liz, do you know how to use Photoshop? And I was like, not really. And they're like, well, do you know how to use a Cintiq? And I was like, not really, which is the <laughs> tablet that we, the tablet that we worked on. Right. Um, and then they said, uh, you are you willing to learn? And I was like, absolutely. And they're like, all right, you're going to Fox today. <laughs> and so from wow. that point, yeah, from that point on <laughs> for like a year and a half, I then went to Fox every day for work. And I should point out, I should have pointed this out ahead of time, but we were still working on paper at the time. So that transition, that big transition from working on paper and working into a computer happened during the movie. And so I learned actually, I learned all that stuff on wow. the job at the movie or during wow. the movie. <laughs> 
I love that you basically failed that pop quiz. I totally did. I was honest, but I worked hard. (laughs) Um, It's good that you were honest, though. Yeah, and it was, and so actually, the the story I wanted to tell was so the the during the movie, the trailer was like under strict, like you couldn't let anyone in, like it was very top secret. And so, if a friend were to visit the, the studio, or I'm sorry, the lot, you could show them around the lot, but you could not let anyone into the trailer where the work was being done. So we had gone on a lunch break, and I was the first one coming back into the trailer, and I noticed a woman standing in the the, the office area that I shared, looking at my drawing, and it was a drawing of Marge, and I panicked because I was like oh my gosh who is this person this person isn't allowed to be in here this is my stuff she's looking at ah and uh so I'm like um excuse me and then she looked at me and pointed to the drawing she was like did you draw that and I was like oh that's Julie Kavner (laughs) (laughs) so it was it was the voice of Marge Simpson looking at that drawing and I was like oh yeah I should know who you are and I'm pretty sure you're allowed to be in here so sorry (laughs) but yeah so amazing it was awesome and she was so nice and so and so interested in the process and it's just like I don't know it's cool it's cool seeing like different parts she's so cool yeah I also love uh, Yardley Yardley's wonderful Yardley is another Mm -hmm. yeah she's so nice She's a friend of the podcast. She's oh, been yay. on and her episode was just amazing. She's everything you want and more. Oh, she <laughs> she, she has been such a uh, uh, she's been so supportive of my work and it's so it's so it's one of the more humbling and more like I don't know how else to put this but like fangirly things. It's like whenever she retweets something of mine or whenever I see her at a premiere party and she like gives me a hug, I'm like, "Dude, that like to myself, like, dude, that's Lisa Simpson." <laughs> And so she's I so know. Nice. I, I have I'm such a girl crush on her. It's wild. She's wonderful. I love her. <laughs> it never goes away. All the retweets, all the likes. I'm like, damn. I have that with basically everyone from The Simpsons. So yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, she's. I love. I also love um her her podcast is also really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of circled it earlier when we were talking about your target cards and and the first book that you put out, the Little World of Liz Climo. Um, but I, I would be remiss in not mentioning that you have several other books. Oh, and we talked about your mom, but you have several other books that are out. You know, we can kind of just bounce around. But um, you know, please don't eat me. Rory the dinosaur me and my dad yeah so I have I have a couple picture books that I've written and illustrated there's three Rory books um the first is Rory the dinosaur me and my dad and then there's also Rory wants a pet and Rory wants a Christmas tree and then the fourth picture book that I did uh that's please don't eat me and I'd say that one's probably the most like the comics you see online that's sort of like the one that I'm the most sort of like I feel like I'm sort of stepping into the sort of books I would like to create in the future but so there's those. And then I have a couple other comic compilations aside from um, Your Mom, which is kind of more of a narrative, has more of a narrative story. Uh, the others are just compilations of comics. So like the comics that you see posted online, just a bunch of them put into a book. And that's The Little World of Liz Climo, Lobster is the Best Medicine, and Best Bear Ever. And then I have a couple other books that I've illustrated. Um, Jory John wrote a book called... Um, I love Can Jory. Somebody, Jory is awesome. I love Jory so much. Um, we're actually working on a second, a third, oh my gosh, a third book together right now. That's so exciting. So working with him is awesome. Yeah, it's really, really fun. I like illustrating other people's stuff too, because I'm, I mean, I kind of luck, very, I'm fortunate, but like, I'm sort of still getting my footing and learning how to write children's books. But they're, you know, when I, when I illustrate a, 
an author who's really done a lot of a lot of really great stuff and they really know what they're doing it it's fun and i'm learning a lot from from working with people like him and then actually i have a book that comes out tuesday that i did with uh an author named amy dykeman and it's a follow-up to a book that i did called you don't want a unicorn and this one's called you don't want a dragon so it's another kid's like another picture book that's great yeah (laughs) love it you know, we've been bouncing around um, from your work on The Simpsons to um, your published work, but I'd be also remiss in not mentioning that you um, have worked on other TV shows, The LeBrons, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> as a storyboard artist. <laughs> but I also really, really want to talk about Harvey Beaks, where you are credited as a writer and yeah, a storyboard artist. I can, can you talk. Tell us about that experience. I could definitely talk. Yeah. Um, so. Harvey Beaks, I did one episode and I actually did it. Uh, we, I wrote it. I co-wrote it with my husband. And it's the only time I've ever written for a TV show. Uh, and it was, it's a board driven show. So like we kind of, we, we did the outline and then the board artists do like a, a huge chunk of the work with their own. That's sort of how that works. So we, we, you know, you get, you get an out. I think I'm trying to remember if there was an outline. I think there was actually, sorry, there was already an outline and then we added to that and then. I don't, I mean, it was, it was a lot, it was, it was many, a many cooks in the kitchen situation. And I mean that in a night, in a nice way, not like a too many cooks in the, <laughs> in the kitchen situation, <laughs> but the, the, the takeaway, my biggest takeaway is that was like the first time that I actually was like collaborative with my husband and um, we worked together and we have such different styles artistically. And when we write, like he, he does really, really beautiful, awesome just well rendered, cool posed. Like he, he's like an, you know, he's, he does really cool art. Um, and his, his writing is also like a little bit more, um, for lack of a better word, wordy than the stuff that I do. Everything I do is oversimplified. And so it was kind of interesting for the two of us to kind of blend those two ideas together, um, and work together. And, uh, and yeah, it was fun. It was, it was really fun to draw those. Char- I really like drawing those characters too. And it was, it was just fun. At the time, I was actually still on The Simpsons and it was a much more, creative job writing and working on Harvey Beaks. I think I was on a hiatus and that's why I was able to sort of just do something in, in between seasons, but uh, it that's was really rad. fun. Yeah. I, I don't know why this is the example that I'm thinking of with this, but like um, I think of like, artists and animators changing their drawing styles from different shows to be like kind of the equivalent of like weird owls band playing different <laughs> music genre <laughs> i don't know why i'm like yeah it's the same thing but if that's a really good analogy like, yeah yeah you start at the same pool of like okay i'm gonna make music but now i'm gonna make a devo song <laughs> It's really funny. And it just reminded me. I, so I've actually done some work with Illumination and um, I worked oh, cool. on, I was working on the Minions, the new, the, actually, so Brad Abelson, the one that helped me get the job at the Simpsons is now directing the new Minions movie. And oh. um, so I happened cool. to, yeah. And so I, I was doing some other stuff at Illumination, but then they put me on, you know, like I, I was basically just doing creative consulting, which is sort of just like gag writing. And so when they moved me onto the minions, I was like, Oh, Brad, I know Brad. And so we were working a little bit together, but I would do whatever I would send over my roughs. He would always give me a hard time because I would give them such tall heads like Bart. <laughs> Like, I would because if you, you can't get it out of your fingers, I can't get. It. I mean, he's lucky I didn't like give him a zigzag, a zigzag hairdo on top because it was just like if you look at the minions, they're like their goggles or eyes to top of their head ratio is pretty small. But I was like, I really gave him that marge length on top of their head. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think it's quite obvious that we are huge fans of what you do, oh. and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's always really nice when. 
you know, well, Julia already knows you, but it's been really nice for me to get to know you and feel like, you know, this is just such an easy and natural thing. And I would love to stay in touch after this. I would love that too. Great. Um, We also look very similar. So, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um, that doesn't, that's not why we have to be friends, but it's the next time I'm feeling, mm -hmm. the next time I'm feeling lonely in quarantine, I'm just going to look in the mirror and pretend like I'm having a conversation with you. It'll make me feel better. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Me too. Is that sweet or is that just unbelievably creepy? I don't know. It's both. I mean, what is the difference? Yeah. I I think it's both. Perfect. (laughs) Column A, column B. But, so exactly. uh, we've already talked about where people could find or the names of your books, but where can people find you online and what can people look forward to from you in the future? Anything that you'd like to plug? So I have, um, I do the most posting on my Instagram page, which is just Liz Climo, C-L-I-M-O. And um, I do have a Twitter page that I, um, it's the same, Liz Climo. I'm kind of moving away from Facebook a bit, so I don't really post a whole lot anymore on there. My website is thelittleworldofliz.com, and that links all the aforementioned stuff. Uh, and then I have uh, a couple books. Um, again, I have a book coming out with Jory called First Day Creator Jitters. That's going to be coming out, I think, in the fall. Um, publishing's in kind of a weird spot right now, and everything's moving a little bit slow. And so uh, I'm working on a couple things. I don't know when they're going to come out, but um, I am I am trying to uh, sort of focus on that and keep keep working on my comics. I hope that I can do those forever because I really those that's really where my heart is is, is doing those. So I love I love them. I love that. And I'm sure you will. We love them too. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I, I think you. it's a, it's especially nice during everything that's going on just to have um, to hear a story about someone who was raised to have this confidence and this connection to their mom and this just really warm, fuzzy greatness. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Not that mm-hmm. not Me that too. you're not a complex person with all types of you know <laughs> sorrows and, and hardships. Not that you haven't experienced <laughs> darkness. Um, but yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, Julia, where can people find you? Ah, thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You could find me at Allie Gertz and all the things, and you could find us at Simpsons Pod. Yeah, and Round Springfield is a production of Maximum Fun. We are a member-supported show, so go to MaximumFun.org slash join to contribute. Our booking manager is Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Twish. Twish. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.